All right, so I need you to grab your bulletin, and in your bulletin there are some sermon notes, and because we have communion, I was very nice to you. Because we have communion, I wrote out the four signs underneath each gift. I wrote them out for you so that your little hands didn't... Somebody almost started a fire last Sunday is what it was. They were writing so fast, there was smoke coming up off the page, and I thought, well, that's, that's not going to work during uh, a week when we're doing communion, so trying to help you out a little bit. Uh, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the same approach that we have. So four gifts. We're going to talk about the gift. We're going to look at the scripture attached to the gift. We will define what that spiritual gift is. We'll talk about uh, biblical examples of that gift. And then finally, we'll go over four signs that you may or may not have that gift. And again, if you're trying to figure out, is this me? Is this not me? Well, if three or four of those signs explain you, you probably have that gift. It's kind of like Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck if, okay? You might have this spiritual gift if, Three or four of these things describe you, and that's how we're going to go about it, okay? And so we're going to just dive in with both feet, and I want to begin by talking about the spiritual gift of service or helps. The spiritual gift of service or helps. And so here's what the scripture says, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. It says, and in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, and it, and it goes on and on and on. And that word there, help, it literally means to aid or to help, right? He also gives us Romans twelve seven. Romans twelve seven says we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, uh, at him, that's your pastor there, a little bit in a hurry on Thursday, uh, let him, uh, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Uh, if it's serving, let him serve. And that word service there, or serve, actually means, in the Greek, it means ministry or service. And so here's how we would define the, the biblical spiritual gift of, of service or helps. We define it this way. The spiritual gift of service is the ability to recognize practical needs. And so we start there. Uh, you, you guys, the person with the gift of service always sees the need. Okay, if you're blind and you never see like, hey, that that wall isn't the same color as the other one. Somebody needs to paint that. Right. If that's not you, you probably don't have the gift of service. If you walk around and you see needs, hey, you know what? Somebody needs to take the trash out. Very good. And so it starts. You see the need. Okay, so you have to have some perception. They see uh, the practical needs in the church and get this. Then they joyfully. That's important. Uh, there are people that will do it if you can make them. You just be like, hey, I really need you to be here. But when they do it, they're like, oh, I hate cleaning toilets. This is dumb. I, somebody else should. If, if the people with the gift of service would come clean the toilets, I wouldn't have to. Right. And, and you probably don't have the gift of service if you do it begrudgingly. And so it's, it's joyful service. Uh, and, and so they joyfully. And then the next thing, they work behind the scenes. This person doesn't want to be praised. They're not looking for accolades. They don't want to do it in front of people. They like to work behind the scenes where nobody kind of sees what they're doing. Um, and, and they do that to help those uh, needs be met. And, and that's really what it means to have the spiritual gift of help or the spiritual gift of service. And so we look to the Bible and we say, well, what are some examples of that? And we have to start with Jesus. Again, he's at the top of every list. But so appropriate Palm Sunday, isn't it? So appropriate Palm Sunday. The day when they're shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest, right? They're, they're shouting, God save us, or, or save us now. They're, 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 they're screaming these great accolades. And the reason why is because they want him to be a king. They're looking for a political king. They're looking for a powerful king. They want their prestige of their nation restored and the prestige of their, their people restored. But that's not the king that Jesus came to be. 
That, that, that's not the king that Jesus came to be, and that's not the king that we needed, and that's not the king that God said he was sending. In fact, Isaiah 42, this is what God says, Isaiah 42, 1, he, he says, here is my servant whom I uphold, the, my, my, my chosen one in, in whom I delight. You see, Jesus came to be a servant. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but He made Himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. You see, when we talk about the spiritual gift of service, I need you to understand, Jesus did not just have this gift. Jesus was this gift. Jesus was a servant. He said the Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a, as a ransom for many. And so when you think about Palm Sunday and you think about all the people that missed who Jesus was, you have to think about the fact that our king came to be a servant, a savior. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Some other examples, you say, who are these people? By the way, it's hard to find examples of people with the gift of service in the Bible. You know why? They're all behind the scenes. So there's only a few times that somebody says, oh, by the way. And so here's a few examples that Paul writes about. He talks about Phoebe and Priscilla and Aquila. You guys can look up those names and, and find those passages if you'd like. Um, so signs that you may have this gift. Again, you might have the gift of service if. Number one, if you enjoy helping others uh, be effective in their work. And, and that's typically what it is. It's their work. Somebody says, hey, I have a project. And you say, hey, I'd like to help with that. Right. That's the gift of service. It's they have a project. You're going to help with it. it. That's natural for you. Number two. Um, and by the way, just go off these and put a check by the ones that apply to you. They're written down. You don't have to write anything. Circle them or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Three out of four. Look, I have the gift of service. Um, uh, number two, you prefer to work behind the scenes. OK, if that's you, I mean, really, really you. And I'm, I'm Ed Whaley's on the front row, so I'm not trying to pick on him because he would not want me to pick on him because he has the gift of service and likes to be behind the scenes. But I'm going to bring him out and drag him in front of everybody. But um, it's a great I did this with Byron in the first one. So, you know, we had Byron with a gift of service and Cindy with a gift of mercy sitting right next to each other. So uh, it worked real well. Um, and, and, and so so but but that's what you like. You like to serve, but you want to do it behind the scenes. You don't want accolades. You don't want pat, pat on the back or attaboys. It's just something that's natural to you. Number three, um, if you would rather support than lead. Typically, people with the gift of service, that, that's really how they want to do it. They want to say, listen, I, I, I don't want to really be in, in charge of the budget. They will, but that's not like their ideal thing, like not the committee meetings, not the budget. I, I just want to do it. I want to do the work. Like I want to mow the grass, but I don't want to decide which mower to buy, okay? I, 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 want, I want to come and clean the windows, but I, I don't want to choose whether or not they're energy star. Or what, like they, I, don't put me in charge. I just want to do, okay? I just want to serve. And, and, and lastly, um, if you have a tough time saying no, you probably have the gift of service. And, 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 um, and that's something, unfortunately, in churches, you know. And, and here, here's the deal, and this is why this is huge. People with the gift of service think they have the least of the gifts. People with the gift of service are usually like, well, man, I wish I had the gift of evangelism or, or apostleship or prophecy. Those are the cool gifts. Even if I was an administrator, I want to have some kind of leadership gift. And they, they, they don't understand. Guys, it's you people with the gift of service that make the church run. Without people in the gift of service, the church falls apart. The gift of service is crucial to the kingdom of God. It's crucial. It's crucial. Okay? So, so that's the gift of service. That's the gift of help. Now, if that describes you, you might have that gift. Um, second, let's talk, about, uh, let's talk about the gift of mercy. Gift of mercy. You guys know how I score real high in this area. Not really. Uh, Romans 12.8. 
Romans 12, 8 says, again, if it's encouraging, it's talking about the gifts, then let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And that word mercy in the Greek, it literally means to, to have mercy or to have compassion or to help one that's afflicted or wretched. Uh, so we define it this way. The spiritual gift of mercy is the ability to empathize with those that are hurting. We start there. It's the ability to empathize with those that are hurting. Again, it talks about compassion. So you see somebody that's hurting and you hurt too, right? Okay, and and so that's kind of a big deal. Um, You you see them uh, that are hurting or in difficult situations and you provide them with comfort and with help. Okay, that's the gift of mercy. Now, the gift of prophecy I shared with you guys, right? So here, here's the example. Um, there's somebody that is, is, is maybe a little needy. They have some physical needs. And, and somebody with the gift of mercy, they're super patient. They're going to come alongside that person. And they're going to be with that person. They're going to slowly encourage that person. And, and they'll be like, here, I'm with you. It's going to be okay. You know, we're going to make it through this, blah, 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 blah. Right? And then you have the person with the gift of prophecy. And they're going to come to that person. And they'll usually be compassionate for a little bit. And say, oh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then the second time the person says the same thing about, oh, poor me, poor me. They're going to look at them and say, listen, I love you, but you have two choices in life. Okay. You can either feel sorry for yourself and continue to sit there, or you can get up and run the race, which God has called you to toward, uh, you know, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Right. So you have the prophet and you have the person with mercy. And sometimes you need less profit, more mercy. Okay. It's kind of a big deal. And so, um, so that's how we would describe that again. Biblical examples, Jesus Jesus, don't forget this. Jesus is the king of compassion, right? We live in a day and an age where we want to hit people over the head. We, we want to knock them in, in, in the head, knock some sense into them. We want to scream and shout about our conservative, evangelical, political views. That's what we want to do. And when we want to do it, this is what I say to you. You're just like the Jews that miss the Messiah. Because Jesus didn't come to be a political king. And, and, and so when you stand up and you're making your big Chick-fil-A statement, I want to say to you, did you read about a different Jesus? Right? When you stand up and say, well, we've got to vote everybody out and we've got to make this a Christian nation and we've got to do this. And I want to say, are you following a different Christ than I'm following? Because my Christ is a servant. Because he didn't come to scream or to shout or to yell at people or to call people names. He didn't come to spread hate. That's not who he is. He, he, the, the crowds came to him, the sick and the hurting and the messed up people that society was like, ooh, get away from me. And the Bible says that he saw them as sheep without a shepherd and that, get this, he had compassion on them. See, Jesus is the king of compassion. He's the king of mercy. Again, that's not just something he has, that's something he is on this day. Palm Sunday, his triumphal entry, and, and people are laying down palm branches and taking off their cloaks. I mean, I mean, you can see Peter. Peter always takes things a little far. Peter's probably trying to lay himself down. Like, oh, just step on me, Lord. It's okay. You know, he's trying to do this. And, and every, oh, Hosanna. People are dancing. They're waving palm branches. It's a celebration. In the midst of the celebration, Jesus stops and weeps over Jerusalem. Because his heart was broken over those people. The people that are going to murder him, he's crying and weeping over because he's the king of compassion. And I want you to understand me today. If there is a a spiritual gift that the church may be lacking more than anything else in today's world, I think it might be compassion. Because we want to speak the truth and we want to speak it loudly and we want to proclaim it. But we forget about the need for mercy and compassion. 
Jesus was the king of compassion. This is what he said. He, he quoted from the prophet Isaiah when he walked into the synagogue in Nazareth about himself. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to prepare or to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Again, Jesus didn't just have this gift. He was this gift. Some other people that have the gift of mercy. All right. Uh, Tabitha, uh, whose name is Dorcas, by the way, which is awesome. If you're married, that should become your like nickname for your spouse. Uh, you know, just, hey, what's up, Tabitha? Uh, what's up, Tab? Uh, that, that, that's how it went when Hope and I were dating. I wouldn't suggest you call her Tabitha. She might punch you. Uh, pastor's wife. Um, so Tabitha, uh, but that was our little nickname and it only lasted for a short little time because it wasn't funny anymore, but I enjoyed it. Um, other biblical examples, the good Samaritan, the good Samaritan, right? When, when, when all the religious people walked by the man that's naked and bleeding and hurting and, and here it is a Samaritan, a dog, a dog of society comes and picks him up and takes him to a hotel and then, and then provides for his needs and says, listen, I'll pay. Here, here I'm going to pay for this man. And if anything goes over, I'll come back and pay you some more. It's compassion. That's, that's mercy. So signs that you may have this gift. Signs that you may have this gift. Number one. Uh, these are all oars, by the way. You are drawn. You don't have to be drawn to all these people. Somebody's like, oh my gosh, but I don't, you know, some of these people can make you uncomfortable. But for the most part, you're drawn to, to some of these people groups, okay? Uh, you're drawn to people who are needy or sick or homeless or disabled or handicapped or elderly, okay? You're drawn to those people. We say drawn, just something in your heart hurts for those people and you want to do something to make their condition better, okay? Number two, um, you often think of new ideas and ways to minister to people that are suffering, Okay? So, so you're, not only are you just drawn to these people, you actually think about these people. You think about them, and you're always trying to figure out some, like, what could I do to provide clean water for people on the other side of the world? How can I help kids be, and orphans be adopted? How, how can I help with, 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 you know, the fact that 10 million kids in Africa will die over the next several years because they don't have $1 uh, vaccines? Vaccines that cost a buck. How, what, what can I do for that, right? You see the world's problems, and you want to do something about them. Because you have the gift of mercy. Number three, uh, you're driven by compassion rather than judgment. Again, like I said, I mean, the person with the gift of mercy is, oh, goodness, it's okay. And, and the person with, you know, prophecy is like either, either die or get up. Like, I love you. And Jesus, die or get up. Okay? But this person is driven by compassion. And lastly, uh, you have a tendency to take others', pro- others problems home with you. Now, by the way, if you're married, you know whether or not your spouse has this problem because they can never walk through the door without bringing somebody else's problems home with them. Because that's what the person with mercy does. Somebody is hurting and it can never stop at your front door. It's going gonna, it's gonna to become part of your family. So you might as well embrace it. And that's why it's really good if, if you have the gift of service and your spouse has the gift of mercy. right? Because they have, they, they're, they're always coming home worried about somebody's problems and you're always going to help them do something about it. Those things work well together. When you have the gift of mercy and prophecy in the same house, boy, is that fun. <laughs> boy, is that fun. Uh, so you have a tendency to take others' problems home with you. And, and again, if three or four of those things uh, speak to you, then you probably have that gift. Okay. Uh, third one, giving. 
Giving, Romans 12, 8 again. Uh, if it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And, and, and again, in, in Greek, those words, uh, give means to impart. Generously means liberally, generously. Or, or my, my favorite, it, it speaks of a way uh, of doing it that is not self-seeking. Not self-seeking. And really, so a giver, somebody truly with the spiritual gift of giving, uh, this is how we define that. The spiritual gift of giving is the ability to give of your money and wealth. So it's not just money, okay? Wealth, that's your possessions, you know? Maybe that drives you nuts. If you're married to this somebody that's a giver and you just got something, it's really cool. And then all of a sudden you hear, oh, so-and-so needs a new bed. Why don't we give them the mattress we just bought? We've got our old one. And you look at them like, what? Really? Okay, fine. I mean, that's how eventually it's going to go. They're going to win. That's how that works. Uh, so, so, so you, you get, they, they, now here's the other deal. They do it joyfully and they do it generously. Okay. This is not the person when the offering plate comes around that makes the face. Here they go again. They just want my money. Like that. You're not a giver. If that's the, if you write that check and you're like, oh gosh, Ugh. if it hurts and pains you, like that's probably, you probably don't have the gift of giving, okay? Uh, they do it joyfully, generously to meet others' needs and to further the work of God, okay? Again, examples, Jesus. This week that we're entering into, okay? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. You just, just think about what's about to go down. Guys, Jesus is going to give everything He has, Jesus is going to hold nothing back. You think about what it means to be a giver. You think about Holy Week. You think about Gethsemane. You, you think about the fact that the weight of the world is going to be upon his shoulders. And the disciples can't even stay awake. He's like, I just, I just, will you just pray for me? This is Jesus. He's saying, it's getting a little tough for me. Would you just pray for me? Because the weight of the world is coming upon me. And I feel like I'm going to die. And they're snoring, right? And you think, but, but Jesus doesn't stop there. What does he pray in the midst of that? In the midst of how he's feeling? He says, Father, but not my will. Your will be done. He said, I, I give you everything. Jesus did not hold back anything for you. He didn't hold back anything from me. He gave everything. So this week you think about Gethsemane. This week you think about Golgotha. You think about how Jesus had to carry that cross. You think about them nailing him to it as they raise him up. You think about his cries from the cross. Jesus who is fully God and completely eternal. For the very first time in eternity will cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus the one who always had a relationship with God, always will cry out, my God, you've forsaken me. He held nothing back. So we start there, right? Uh, when you think about giving, think about the widow. Jesus is, is with his disciples and they're at the temple. And, and here's what the Pharisees would do, by the way. They would go take their paycheck and they would go cash it at the bank. You know, whatever. First Prosperity Bank, Jerusalem. And... Uh, and they would they would go they would go cash it and they would they would get change. Uh, they they get lots of smaller denominations and they get lots of coins. And so when they would go pay their tithe, they wanted everyone to know that they were tithing of everything that they possessed. They had these metal coffers outside the temple. And so when you would dump change into, what would they do? 
Ding, 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 ding. So they would get as many coins as possible and they would go stand outside with these large bags and they would start dumping it in. And it'd be like your kids at the arcade. That's what it sounds like when my kids go to Chuck E. Cheese. Ding, 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 ding. Just keep coming. I'm like, how many quarters do you need, people? And they ding, ding. And they would just ding, 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 ding. So this is what's going on. And then suddenly a little widow walks up. And this is what Jesus says. He says, see all those people. I tell you, they gave out of their abundance, out of everything that they have. But look at this woman here. She has nothing. She's completely poor. She had two small little copper coins that when she dropped them in, they probably didn't even make a sound. And Jesus says, I tell you, she gave more than anyone else. They gave out of what they had. She had nothing, and yet she gave all that she had. And so she's still remembered to this day. Think about Barnabas, who sold his land and gave all the money to the church, right? And Ananias and Sapphira wanted to say that they did that, but they didn't. Holy Spirit, they're gone. Barnabas was a true giver, son of encouragement. So we think about those people. So, so how do you know if you have this gift, this gift of giving? Here are some signs. Ready? Uh, number one, you enjoy giving and sharing all that God has given you. And that's how you view it. You view everything that you have in life as a blessing from God, and you're just sharing that. So you kind of start there. Number two, uh, you see giving as an honor and a privilege. And this is really what sets givers apart. They, they count it a privilege to partake in the word of God, or, or in the work of God. It, it's a privilege for them. God, you're allowing me to share in your kingdom. God, you're awesome. I get to give to this awesome cause. It's a privilege for them. Number three, um, they're awesome often careful with what they spend, sometimes even budgeting so that they can give money away. Okay, they have such a heart for giving and they know that there's expenses in life. But a lot of times they'll actually carve out a little bit of of play money, if you will, in their budget so that they can give when a need arises. Okay, and finally, um, if if you're always looking for opportunities to give, but you never seek public recognition. Uh, True givers often are in the pastor's office on a Tuesday morning saying, hey, pastor, we have some extra money and and we'd like to put it towards something. Do you know of something in the church that has a need? Uh, And typically we'll try to tell them three or four things that they can pray about. Um, And and that's the heart of a true giver, okay? And so that's a big deal. Um, One more, one more. Hospitality. Hospitality. Um, Some of you are going to be surprised that you have this gift, by the way. You didn't think you were hospitable. But um, you are. Just just wait. So uh, hospitality. Um, Romans twelve thirteen says, share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. So this is how we would define it, okay? The spiritual gift of hospitality is the ability to enjoy making guests and strangers feel welcome. Okay? You enjoy making them feel welcome, often in your home, uh, with joy and kindness, so that they become friends. You hate to pee- you, you hate to see people that I would call outliers. You don't like to see people on the fringe that don't have any connection with the church. You don't like people to be alone. You want people to know other people. And so, so you invite them over. And it's not that you necessarily want to have a great relationship with them. But you want them to know other people at least. And so some people think the gift of hospi- hospitality means that I have to be an extrovert. And I have to like everybody. There's a lot of introverted people with the gift of hospitality. I'll explain that in a second. So here we go. Um, people that had it. Again, Jesus. Jesus. Guys, Jesus hung out and cared for the outliers so much. He hung out with sinners so much that they accused him of being a drunkard. They, they accused Jesus of being a drunkard. Like, hey, you sinner. He's like, really? I'm Jesus, like son of God. 
I made everything that you see and everything that you don't. You want to really have this conversation with me? Because um, you've defined sin in some ways that are pretty messed up. Anyway, uh, they, they accuse Jesus of this. But Jesus is constantly welcoming people into his tribe. Okay? After all, think about us. We're pretty messed up, right? And yet Jesus comes to us and welcomes us and says, Hey, I don't want you to be alone anymore. I want you to be a part of my family. It's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, Lydia says that she was always um, looking and doing good and, and caring for the poor. Cornelius, you remember that story, right? So, so the Holy Spirit is working now and has, has fallen and the church is exploding. And, 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 and I mean, flat out, Jesus said that it's going to go to the Gentiles. It's going to happen. Acts 1-8, Holy Spirit comes upon you, receive power, be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it's coming. Now, now Peter's praying and he has a vision. This guy, Cornelius, who's a centurion, uh, definitely unclean by Jewish standard, has a vision. And in the vision, he says, you're supposed to call out to Joppa. You're supposed to go get Peter. So he sends a guy. Peter's praying. His guy shows up and knocks on Peter's door. It wakes Peter up out of a trance. Peter had just had this vision where this blanket rolled down from heaven and all this food was on it that was unclean, like bacon. And, and God said, Peter, take and eat. And he was like, yes, bacon. I, I don't know if he really was, but I was very much rejoicing with the fact that bacon is clean. And, um, and so, you know, it's good. And, and, and yet... It was more than just food. It was, hey, you're supposed to go with this Gentile. And so Peter goes to Cornelius' house and he, he shares the gospel with them. And they all receive the Holy Spirit and they're baptized. And then Cornelius says, Peter, thank you so much for sharing the good news with me. Would you stay with me and my family for a while? He extends hospitality to Peter. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. So some biblical examples, all right? Signs that you might have this gift. Last one, four signs. Here we go. One, you enjoy having people in your home. Now... This does not count for both people, uh, you know, both spouses. Any one of the spouses can have this gift, and it will affect the other, okay? That's how it works. So, so if your wife, husband, enjoys having people in the home, guess what? You enjoy your wife, don't you? Okay, so you're going to enjoy having people in the home. Because what makes mama happy, makes mama happy. Uh, which makes everybody else happy. So, uh, so you enjoy having people in your home, right guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. We, we enjoy it. Um, so we start there. You enjoy having people in your home. Number two, uh, you have a strong desire to make strangers and visitors feel welcome. Okay, again, not that you're going to be best friends with these people, but you, you hate seeing people that aren't connected. Yet your heart cries. You want everybody to love each other and to be connected and experience this fellowship called Christianity. It's an awesome thing, and you want people to share in it. Okay, number three, um, you consider your home a place of ministry. God's given it to you for a reason. And what happens uh, here beneath this roof is ministry. Whether that's raising my kids, whether that's my marriage relationship, it extends outwards. We do ministry here. That's what our home is. It's a place of ministry. Number four, you enjoy watching people meet and interact with one another. Now, let me explain to you the introvert with the gift of hospitality. Here it goes. Ready? The introvert with the gift of hospitality, while personally doesn't necessarily enjoy meeting strangers, like, hi, my name is so-and-so, what they do enjoy is they have a heart to see people connected. So they love putting things together, inviting the people over, and standing back and watching them interact. And that fills their heart with joy. Because they like to see, look, hey, they're no longer strangers. It's not that I have to know them all. But they're no longer strangers. Now they've met some people. I feel like I've accomplished the purpose for which God has gifted me. That's the gift of hospitality. Does that make sense? Make sense? Okay, awesome. 
All right, so some homework. I'm gonna, I, I've got two sets of homework for you. I'll talk about the second set here in a second. Here's the first set of homework. Ready? Uh, you have to, number one, keep praying. Keep praying. Okay? Remember, you're not taking tests yet. You're praying. Lord, reveal to me the gifts that you have for me. Reveal to me how you have made me, how you have gifted me for service in your kingdom to build up and edify your church. You keep praying. Okay? Here's the second one. You keep focused. Okay? So a saying that we introduced about a month ago. This is, it's been a month now. Um, that saying of, of keeping us focused and keeping first things first things. Does anybody know that saying? Can you say it out loud? I made you a little picture last week, you remember? Come on, Casey. I'm getting it from the other side. Say it louder. It looks like this, right? Jesus over everything. How do I keep focused? I put God first. Jesus over everything. So that is my homework. That is where I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to pour myself into. I'm going to keep Jesus first. Now, here's the deal. After Easter, Easter's kind of a big deal. Got a lot of people coming next week. You're going to be a part of that. I'll talk to you about it in a second. Um, after Easter, we'll have the spiritual gift inventory available for you. And you'll finally be able to take the test, uh, which you cannot fail. Uh, it's not that kind of test. Um, because everybody has a gift. And so you'll figure out, hopefully, if you haven't already figured out, you'll, you'll know what it is. You'll turn that back into us. We'll, we'll tell you how you can start serving based on that giftedness. Uh, meaning we'll give you some ideas. And then it's up to you, ultimately, what you do. All right. I've enjoyed teaching you the spiritual gifts. I pray that you have learned about them quite a bit. I'm going to